Hello, and welcome to the Black Eyed Runner podcast number 225. My name is John, and I am joined tonight by two very special guests, uh, Brandon and Maggie of Talking May 94. So thank you guys so much for being here. Thank, thank you. We're happy to be here. <laughs> um, Brandon, I think this is your fourth appearance on the show. So we're always, uh, you know, very grateful that you carve out the time to, to come on and join us. And uh, Maggie, it's great to have you here for the first time, um, especially because today is an amazing day in the life of Star Wars uh, or a Star Wars fan, I guess. Um, we. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we were served the uh, the finale for the Obi Wan Kenobi show, um, which I've been loving, and uh, I absolutely love this finale. So uh, tonight we're just going to discuss that episode. We're going to talk about the the final chapter of uh, of Obi Wan Kenobi. So um, yeah, let's let's just jump into it. But uh, you know, I, I I talked to you guys. I talked to both of you uh, right after. I think it was right after the premiere of the first mm-hmm. <laughs> two chapters of Obi-Wan Kenobi at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, so I was, I was pretty giddy that night. I'm pretty giddy tonight, too. But I was pretty giddy that night after watching those first two chapters. So why don't we just start with, uh, you know, how has the show been treating you since then, since Star Wars Celebration? Like, what has your experience been like? How have you been, how have you been feeling about Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this is obviously the first show we've had since Celebration. And I think you know, all being able to be there and be surrounded by so many other fans getting to be in the same room really like kicked the series off. And so there's kind of this added tension. It's hard to separate, you know, from the show itself is that that layer of emotion that just comes with, you know, the personal experience that we had getting to, to watch those first two episodes. Um, but it was a great start. And I, I mean, we've been enjoying it so thoroughly. Um, the character development is so interesting uh, some of the new characters we've had, different iterations of old characters, is just, it's been so fun to watch and, and to see that play out. For sure. Yeah, it's been just a, a real joy. And, and like we, we were saying, like, we, it started at Celebration being a real joy. And then, you know, this has been kind of a culmination of it all. And getting up and watching Star Wars is, I think, the best thing of all time. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> this show being also just really great and a really in-depth character study of one of my favorite characters in Star Wars, as well as a bunch of new characters. And then uh, I think the, the Leia dynamic really put it over the top for me. Um, but, yeah, it really is a, a real marvel of a, of a show. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the Leia thing, especially, like, you know, at that premiere, it was such a great surprise. Um, at least for me, I hadn't seen anything about that. So it was such a great surprise and so much fun. And, uh, Maggie, you didn't, you didn't exactly put it this way, but like, I remember coming out of that opening screening and being like, well, I love this show for life. Like, even if it's, (laughs) even if like it ends up sucking from here on out or, you know, whatever, like it was so such a great thing to be given free popcorn and bottles of water and go watch that premiere (laughs) that like, basically they had me from there. So, um, yeah, but I've, I've been loving it too. And, um, you know, like I've, I've really, I've loved every episode. Uh, the third one was my favorite episode, I think. Um, just, you know, Vader dragging Obi-Wan through the fire and telling him like, <laughs> you're going to suffer now and everything was so, um, so incredible to me. But, uh, this, this finale is, uh, you know, potentially right up there for me as a, as a favorite episode. Um, you guys both watched it today, this morning. Did you wake up this morning and both, you know, watched it together? Is that, is that what happened? We did. We did wake up. We did. Um, I'm not, 
the biggest morning person, but I, I've learned that sometimes I get dragged out of bed at 5.30 for no reason. Um, <laughs> no reason for it to be that early, but it was. Uh, somebody couldn't go back to sleep, so we watched it. And I think I fell asleep, bef- took a little nap between uh, watching it and working. You got in another screening, then we watched it again at lunch and then again at dinner. So we're at four and three viewings of it today. Uh, oh, wow. Really to just to try to process it because it's still, I don't know, it feels, um, it still kind of feels hazy for, for even seeing it that many times. I don't know if it's because I started, like I was half asleep when I watched it the first time. Uh, and I definitely dreamt about it when I took a nap. And so it like threw my perception of it for a loop. Um, but also just because it's, it's bittersweet to see such a fun series come to a close and it's like, I don't want to believe it's over. Uh, and we've spent so much time thinking about it that it's like, this is it. Like we have it, it's, it's wrapped up and we just get to like marinate in it. Yeah. 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 For sure. Uh, it's always like a little overwhelming for me watching the, like the, an episode of any of these shows really for the first time, but especially, um, Kenobi just cause it feels like this continuation of like the whole big thing, the saga. Right. And, uh, uh, it's, it's pretty epic stuff. So yeah, it always, like, I always have that sort of, it was, I dreaming and I usually watch it super early in the morning too. I think I watched it this morning at like, you know, 6am or something. So uh-huh. I definitely have a little bit of like, did that really just happen? And, and for sure watching it a few more times, um, clarifies things. So <laughs> now I've only seen, I've only seen it twice. So you guys are like double viewings on We're me almost experts. here. So yeah, no, no. yeah, I'll defer to your expertise on this. So as we go, <laughs> um, okay. So you both loved it. Both loved it. I mean, um, it really hit so many beats. And so it's funny that very delicate line between like nostalgic and like fan servicey with like serving the story itself. And it really did balance that in a really nice way where things felt earned without it being like, because if we're talking spoilers, like the hello there was great. Right. But like, if you didn't, if, if we hadn't gone through six episodes for him to get to that point, I would have been like, all right, we didn't need to do this. You know what I mean? So like things like that um, really kind of just kept layering in all the way into the last shot really. And, and I think the full hours is really just like star Wars storytelling at its finest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's just talk about some of the big topics. You know, the the thing that I was really so curious about and uh, really even kind of nervous about going into this final episode after last week's episode was, you know, Reva and what was going to happen with Reva. Um, I feel like it's a real testament to this show that I was like, I don't know what the right word is, but um, almost nervous or scared uh, in that final shot from episode or part five of this show, you know, little Luke Skywalker, um, snug as a bug in a rug there and his bed on Tatooine and, and like, Oh my God, she knows about him. What's going to happen. Um, obviously I know essentially what's going to happen, right. He's going to be okay, but I'm still like filled with, with dread at that proposition. So I think that's a, a testament to the storytelling, but I was nervous about like, what's going to happen with him coming in to this week. Um, and so I think if, no, you guys are the experts, but I think the show starts with with Riva, right? Doesn't it open up with her on, on Tatooine, Tatooine mm-hmm. hooded in that cool kind of like desert Riva kit sort of thing, right? <laughs> um, <That's insane. laughs> 
Yeah. So it opens with her and it was like, okay, cool. We're going to answer this question at least to a certain extent right away. Like what is her intention? What's she going to do with this dangerous information? Um, and obviously she's on the hunt for Luke Skywalker. Um, and, uh, it doesn't take her long, you know, to, uh, to find, um, him, but, uh, yeah, it was just so interesting. Like, what is she going to do? Like, is she gonna, is she going to try to hurt him? Is she, what is she going to try to sell that information? Like sort of what's she going to do with it? Um, so I was glad to see him address that right away. And, uh, I sort of loved, I totally loved her story here and how they handled it. Um, did you guys have any expectations or anticipation in terms of what was going to happen with Reba in in this episode? She's, I mean, one of your favorite characters, right, oh, yeah. Maggie? So, I mean, one of the most compelling parts of this series to me is just the, such an interesting character. It, her origin story is one that we all know well. Um, and when we figure out, you know, when we eventually figure out what her goal is, we know she's not going to achieve it. And so it's this really interesting balance of totally new character, totally new storyline, but within the framework of something that we, that we do know. And I think that the way that that Moses Ingram played her was so rich. There were so many layers. The penultimate episode was one of my favorites. The one that I found myself just thinking about all day, just because you started to see these different pieces of her come to the surface uh, as her true intentions became known. And so then seeing an, e- an even different side of that, um, I would have, I would have liked to, I, I, I wasn't optimistic, but I, I would have loved to seen the the journey between her as a child at the Jedi temple and into how she be the, her path to, um, you know, to revenge and, and how she became reintegrated, um, you know, as, as an inquisitor. And so, I didn't think I was going to see that. It would be interesting if anyone's hearing this to, to write what that looks like. Cause I'd, it's I'd love to probably going to be a book soon, right? I'll read yeah. it. I'll send it to me. I'll read it. Um, <laughs> but you know, wanting, I was hopeful that we, I, I did think we would get some type of redemption for her. I, I wasn't optimistic that she would survive it. And so I'm happy she did. I hope it means that we'll get to see more of her because I just think the way that she played this character was really masterful. It is kind of a, uh, uh, Star Wars anom- anomaly, right? That a, a redeemed character survives the the redemption process. So that's good. We 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 learned some lessons there. That's a nice a nice thing to see for sure. Yeah, a little bit, um, a little bit for sure. I was uh, I was thinking she might be a goner, but I was rooting for her to survive. Um, and God, the the fifth part the fifth chapter i'm i'm like trying to get myself out of the habit of saying episode five because then i get confused <laughs> thinking i'm talking about like the empire strikes back or something but right. the fifth episode of this show um the scene especially with her at the door you know with obi-wan on the other side yeah. um talking about what happened there where were you obi-wan like why didn't you come for us you know all that it was so incredible um such a great performance from her and you know as i was thinking about it last week and, and going into this episode i just sort of thought like it doesn't I mean, she has this really dangerous information. And so like, she really can't, I, I was trying to figure out like, how can she hold on to that information and stick around and stay alive? Um, but, but the other part of me was like, well, the, the story that this show is telling and the story it's telling about her, um, they really can't just be like, oh, well, you know, we're going to kill her now, you know, or like, <laughs> it just wouldn't really fit with the values or the, or the themes, I guess, of this show and the story that it's right. trying to tell to be like, well, we got to take her out, you know? sorry that somebody killed all of her friends when she was a child and she's been like dealing with the trauma of that, but you know, we're just gonna write her off. So I think, um, they made the right call in, in, uh, in the way they handled it. And 
Um, yeah, as you said, Maggie, just like such a, an incredible performance from her and in last week's episode and this one too, you know, um, in, in the moments between her and, and, uh, and Obi-Wan. So yeah, I was thrilled with that. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> Brandon, you've got your Baru crew shirt on there. I yeah, see. I'm, I'm always um, repping. Yeah. It was, a big day. it was a big day for the Baru crew. One of the first things I have in my crazy notes here is uh, brew equals hardcore um, because <laughs> like, God, I, you know, we were waiting to see her. Where is she? Um, and uh, man, she was so cool. I, that was a whole different side of, of, of brew. And um, that caught me by surprise for sure. I did not expect to see her take charge like that. I loved it. It, it was awesome. And I mean, brew and Owen, we were talking about before we were recording, you know, you go into a new hope and Uncle Owen is not a bad guy by any means, but he is the crotchety old uncle that is overprotective and, you know, uh, keeping Luke on Tatooine. And really what you see in Attack of the Clones and his briefing in Revenge of the Sith, like you don't actually get to know Owen, right? And even in comics, I feel like he's always been like the kind of like angry yelling at Obi-Wan. That's like his one character trait, I feel like. And with this, it was really wonderful to see how much Owen and Baru cared about Luke and what they were willing to do to protect Luke and make him feel, you know, just like a comfortable boy. And I, I think mirroring that with Brea and Bale on Alderaan is also just a really wonderful, like uh, compliment with each other because both of these families really do care about the Skywalker twins and you see it portrayed in different ways, right? You see Bale reaching out to Obi-Wan, you see Peru and Owen taking matters in their own hands. And it really is like, it adds so many more layers to their eventual demise, the destruction of Alderaan, like these things that we take for granted as Star Wars fans from the first Star Wars movie is now like extra. It's, it's doing a rogue one almost of adding additional layers to a story that we thought we knew 100%. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, just a quick side note. Like um, I was watching the final scene on Alderaan today and thinking like, wow, this is beautiful. And like, they're really, <laughs> it's really great to see Alderaan and in, in all its glory. And then, you know, it's like, it's so bittersweet though, because yeah. you can't help but see Alderaan or think about Alderaan and, and, uh, and remember the, the outcome there. So it was a little bittersweet. Um, but uh, yeah, I just thought, I thought like Bonnie Peace was um, was so fantastic uh, yeah. as Baru there. I love the way she took charge. Um, I love the way that like she kind of sniped it at uh, at uh, Uncle Owen a little bit there. You know, yeah. like uh, Owen said, Ben's gone, and she's like, and whose fault is that? And I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh my gosh! Like she went for him. That was that was so good. Um, so yeah, she was great. And then I, I feel like. Uh, the writing has been super good throughout the show, but the dialogue in this episode, and we'll. I think talk about it when we talk about um, Obi-Wan and Vader, but the dialogue was so, so good. And I feel like they, they really like polished the dialogue or, or, you know, really, really, really made sure the dialogue was perfect for this episode because there's so many lines that are just, as I was writing them down in my notes, I was, you know, just looking at them now, it's like, God, they, they just pop and they're so direct and succinct and so good. Um, and just even the, even like the cadence and the phrasing of some of the lines. So she tells Owen, we're enough, Owen, you and me. I was like, Oh my God, it's so good. And it's just one of so many great lines. So 
Uh, I loved everything about it. I also love Bonnie Peace. Like I fell in love with Bonnie Peace in 2002 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, <laughs> she was at Star Wars Celebration and she sang a song and uh, she was just incredible. So yeah, I love her. It's nice um, to see her back and, and she's been through a lot, obviously, right? And so it's it's nice seeing her back in Star Wars and apparently being on set. It's the first time she's acted in a long time and apparently it's like, reignited her love of all that and so hopefully we see her in more and more things soon because she is she's the best oh great yeah i haven't um really seen like any interviews or anything with her um during the the press you know junkets yeah. or any of that kind of stuff so that's great to hear bonnie peace come on the show i've tried IDM. <laughs> it's ha- it'll happen soon enough she's doing conventions now she's back she was in washington this weekend or something so like she's doing conventions again so it's a matter of time what, Whenever it is, yeah, I'm ready. She has an open invitation. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, let's talk about, uh, I'm just looking at my notes here. Let's talk about Haja. Um, yeah. Kamal Nanjiani, uh, Haja, I thought he was fantastic today. Um, I've always, like, I've been a big fan of him for a long time, but um, Haja, I've been a little bit like, I wouldn't say I didn't like him, but um, just a little like, not making a final judgment, you know, sort of thing. Like I'm not too sure about him, uh, tonally, like how it fits. It just sometimes didn't feel like it totally worked or clicked. I don't know if you guys, you know, felt the same or not, but today I was like, Oh my God, I love him. I thought he was great. Uh, his dialogue is fantastic. The, the line to, to Obi-Wan, you know, about like, I don't know, as far as you can trust a guy who lies about being a Jedi and tries to make a buck off of people or whatever it was, was like really great. So, um, yeah, like th- th- in this final episode, and this is true of the Grand Inquisitor too. In this final episode, I was like, okay, it finally it clicked into place. Like he fits, he's great, and uh, it really worked for me. Um, do you guys have Haja thoughts? I love, I love Kumail. I think he's great. I love seeing him in Star Wars. I think it's very funny. I think he's almost a better fit in Star Wars than he was in Marvel, um, honestly, um, because I really do like him. And I, you know, when I was in LA a decade ago, I went out to his comedy show. Like I've, I've really loved Camille for a long time. And so seeing him in star Wars and I really love the, you know, the fake Jedi character. And then these moments that he's had, and some of them are off screen. It feels like with Leia that really is contributing to his character development, right? You see it in the last in episode five and now in episode six, right? There are these moments that where he is gaining the trust of Leia. And I think, him reciprocating that right. And him realizing that he might be worth more than what he's, you know, perceived himself as I think is really what, like you mentioned adding to his character and really kind of making him a three dimensional, like whole person at this point. So I think at the, when he first came onto the scene, he felt like a, a one episode character for me. So much fun. Loved, loved it. And I, but I felt like this was kind of a, we were going to move on from him, but he kept popping up and seeing him go from, kind of this character that feels almost jarringly light and funny compared to, to what's going on. And then seeing him kind of being charged with taking care of a young girl reluctantly to then by the end, him, him taking ownership and, and directing others on how to deal with her. was just a really unexpected, unexpected arc. And I loved it. (laughs) Totally, totally. And uh, yeah, I think the way that, He's a, he's a great character for Ewan and, and Obi-Wan to, to play off of because um, some of my favorite sort of moments with Ewan, um, like the, the little moments, were when he was sort of like 
demonstrating that grace and like generosity of spirit towards Haja, you know, like, okay, you're kind of a scam artist. You pretended to be a Jedi. You're a liar, you know, whatever. But like, I see the good in you. And so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of like, I'm going to give you that benefit of the doubt or I'm seeing maybe like, as you were saying, Maggie, like maybe I'm seeing a little more in you than, than you see in yourself and like letting that grow. And then by the end here in this final chapter, you really see that, um, that he's grown into to somebody that maybe Obi-Wan and, and you know, kind of always thought he could be. So yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, I'm just like, kind of like, okay, let's here's some of the topics we should talk about before we talk about Obi-Wan and Vader and their confrontation. Um, so maybe a couple of little things before that. Um, the moment where Obi-Wan gives, uh, uh Leia Tala's holster. Um, mm-hmm. I thought was really touching and um, I'm assuming like, are we, we're meant to think that that's something she, she keeps with her and has in the original trilogy. Um, I, I feel like, Oh, I recognize that right now. Yeah. I tried to do a little bit of like, I went to like rebel Legion websites this morning, trying to look at Endor Leia costumes to see if it was the same holster. It doesn't look like it is. I feel like it might be like a captain Rex situation where like, it's supposed to be, you know, but even if it was never intended to be, but even I think the shape of it is a little, um, different. So, you know, maybe uh, she loses it when she loses Lola at some point in between now and a new hope. You know what I mean? I'm telling myself that it's, it's for carrying Lola around. I, I'm like it's <laughs> almost round enough. And it's, I, I like to think that that's, that that's where it's headed. Well, that's in the last shot. She has Lola in her pocket. Oh, yeah. well, you were right. In the holster? I missed yeah, it, when she's oh. waving goodbye to Obi Wan, uh, it's in the holster. Oh, that's what I told my I well three three views. Maybe I would have caught it on the fourth. Uh, <laughs> but wow, I'm right. I can't well, Star Wars. Yeah, I'm way behind both of you because <laughs> I didn't imagine it, I didn't hope for it, and I definitely didn't see it. So, um, <laughs> but that's awesome. Look, dreams come true. Dreams come true. <laughs> yeah, um, and Lola was great in this episode as well. Actually, mm-hmm. like. Uh, just as a tool, you know, in terms of, uh, it, it got me a little bit when, um, she, when Lola was there with, with Obi-Wan, you know, like Leia, I think like slips it into like mm-hmm. his, his robe or his jacket or something, right? Like basically he gets on that ship and Lola's with him and he didn't know that because she, is that, is that correct? Yeah. He didn't know until he took off that cloak to get ready for the fight. Right. And so it's kind of a uh, uh, Leia being a little con artist. I love it. Right. A little sleight of hand. It's great. Um, and I love Lola. I love her, her arc. Um, her, st- you know, in the role of emotional support robot or droid in, in this episode. And I just, I love that at the end when Obi-Wan steps off the plane, she runs for the robot instead of him. Like she's a very emotionally intelligent 10 year old but she is still a 10 year old and she's getting her toy back. And that's where her, that's her first priority. Yeah, no, that was great. And that's actually, that's the scene that made me cry as I was watching the episode. And I feel like safe to reveal that because Brandon, you tweeted about how you maybe cried a little bit watching the episode yeah. as well. So yeah, I cried during the whole last like 20 minutes of that damn thing. <laughs> so uh, it was great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, um, one of my best friends, um, Kevin, we were tweeting about it or tweeting, we were texting about it today and he was saying like, oh yeah, I pretty much was like sobbing through the whole episode. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, so I know a lot of people were very emotionally invested and, you know, I, I was like goosebumps, like crazy goosebumps for the last 20 minutes, maybe, or, or more even, but, uh, tears came during the scene on Alderaan, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like, I don't know, watching Revenge of the Sith in the theater when, th- when that movie came out. I mean, I was like ugly crying and sobbing, like during the Anakin and Obi-Wan stuff. And there was like mm-hmm. the, the, the emotion on, on Ewan McGregor's face in that confrontation with with um with Darth Vader with Anakin was so powerful um but that I didn't cry then I cried for and I you know I'm not exactly sure why but I cried when when she was standing there on that platform and he came out of the ship like there was just something so powerful about that and I think it's just the way that relationship's been developed throughout the show Mm -hmm. between those two and and I think uh, also maybe it's a little bit of um and this is something I talked about a lot on, on last week's episode but um, the show seemed so focused on the concept of protecting children or not protecting children and the consequences of that. And so to see this like wonderful, you know, precocious, uh, just like Leia, you know, uh, and, and, and projecting everything we know she's going to become into this, into this, 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 um, young character to see her standing there and to see like, the look on her face and you know, how, how important it was to her to see him, you know, come back. And she had said, please, you know, come back. And he promised her and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. It just really was like, uh, it really, really hit me there. Um, but you're right. She, she looks so happy when she sees Obi-Wan, but then Lola comes around and it's like (laughs) a whole different level. So, um, yeah, really well done. Um, all right. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about Obi-Wan, Kenobi, and Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker. Um, yeah. Uh, this is like, after watching the third episode of this show, I wasn't totally sure that, um, you know, the next confrontation could top that one for me as like sort of small or slight as it was. I just, I didn't know um, if it was going to work for me on the same level or if it was going to be able to, to work as well. Uh, but I, I thought this was close to perfectly played um, in, in so many ways, uh, let's hear from you guys. What do you think? What did, what did you, th- what did you make of this confrontation between Vader and, uh, and Obi-Wan and yeah. What do you think? Was it the rematch of the century? Right? Did it live up to the hype? I think I really like, I was trying to figure out what my personal end goal would be for this confrontation. Like who did, did I want to quote unquote win or like, how would this play out? because we know that the final confrontation ends the way it does, right? We know in 10 more years, they're going to fight and it's going to, you know, not end well for Obi-Wan. And so going into it, I was a little trepidatious, right? I was like, okay, we've seen that once and we've seen Obi-Wan without any real powers. And like, what does that really look like? And having them be so like equally matched and, and it being so picturesque and them really like, I know that they spent so much time being like, where are we going to put it? Like, how can no one be around? Like, let's have it be a remote cool moon or whatever that was. Right. But then the, the use of nature, I think comparing this with like the lava of Mustafar, right. And how it kind of plays into the whole fight and this being all rock and earth. And um, it's very interesting both visually, but also like how it impacts their actual fight and how it impacts their, their conversation. And then once Obi-Wan's really able to escape and fight on his own terms, it really becomes like, it's very cool seeing Obi-Wan 
full full fledged because I feel like in Revenge of the Sith he probably was um, holding back maybe a little bit because he was like I can still turn him back I can still do whatever and you really see him start giving way to that idea and really full force of him, which we've never really seen before. Right. And it was a uh, really, really masterful. I feel like. Yeah. That's one thing that uh, I loved it. I loved it. I think it was so well done, perfectly done. But one thing I've been thinking about as the day has gone on and as I watched it a second time is part of me wonders if, there are moments where Vader's holding back this time around. Um, and and you're right that it's like Obi-Wan is definitely not. I mean, he goes for that chest plate. He's like smashing that chest plate and, you know, slashes Vader across the back, you know, jumps towards him and slashes that helmet in half. I mean, he's the aggressor almost more so than Vader. Vader has his moments too. Um, but I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, and there is, uh, I think it might be the first lines of dialogue in the scene. Vader says, have you come to destroy me? Um, Obi-Wan of course says, I will do what I must, um, which is a good callback. And then Vader says, then you will die. But as I was looking at, I was thinking to myself, or as I was watching that, I was thinking to myself like, well, what would Vader have said? You know, then you will die. If that's what you're going to do, then I have to kill you. Like what other options Mm -hmm. did he see on the table or what, what, I guess, what was Vader hoping for in that situation? You know? Um, yeah. And I don't have the answer, but it was definitely like, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty intriguing and pretty interesting to consider, um, as far as all that goes. So, yeah, um, I thought the, and actually kind of along those lines, I thought the, uh, the choice for Vader to kind of throw, to smash the, or crash the, crush the ground and, mm-hmm. and throw Obi-Wan down into that pit and, and sort of try to bury him alive, um, was really interesting. And, uh, you know, in the third episode, he he did the thing with the fire and he dragged him through it. And this episode, he's like, I'm going to create a tomb for you and bury you under all these rocks. Um, really creative, really interesting. Um, but also part of me is like, is that like the most efficient and straightforward way to kill someone? If that's like what you're really hoping to achieve, like if you really want to kill this guy right now. Um, I'm going to create an elaborate tomb for you and cover it with stones and you'll, you'll, you'll be smothered. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, so that, that really stood out to me in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, the, the Obi-Wan having to reach further within himself to escape that I think is then what sets him on this journey of self-discovery for the last half of the episode. Right. Cause it's very surprising when that ends and there's still half of the episode left, right. The fight ends and you still have to resolve Obi-Wan Kenobi, right. You still have to get him to a, a place where he is balanced, where he is, at peace. Right. And so it is kind of like, I think Kelly Knox made the joke, like, like that's him literally hitting rock, rock bottom, right? Like he lit, that's literally like the lowest he can go. And then he's able to overcome it by thinking about the, the Skywalker twins. Right. And that's really the only way that like, he's strong enough to do what he has to do. I know it's a star Wars podcast, but I was like, Oh, Spidey. It's a Spider-Man moment trapped under everything. And the, the like self-discovery that I guess happens to someone when they're trapped under layers and layers of very heavy things. But hearing, hearing the voices going back between, you know, Vader and Anakin and, and that conversation and it kind of that beat and then like the spiral and uh, this loyalty that he's developed for, for the children, I thought was really, really beautiful. And I think felt, it felt very pivotal for me in the story where, 
you know, from the very beginning of the series, he's kind of, he's lost in the force and in what he's doing. And he thinks he should be training Luke, but he's hitting these roadblocks and he doesn't think he should be saving Leia, but he has to do it anyway. And it kind of, at that moment, it's almost like, like that's where like everything comes together and, and he's motivated by these kids to, and he he feels a sense of balance or peace or self-realization that gets him what he needs to, to finish the fight. Yeah, I love that. And uh, and I think uh if I have I have tiny complaints about the the show or the the kind of style guide or whatever you want to say of of the series and you know, just little things. It's not not a big deal and I don't, you know, like to <laughs> spend too much time complaining about it, but like one thing I don't really love is the need to kind of show the audience what a character's thinking about like so for instance with with Reva and Luke Skywalker uh later on like you know when she raises that lightsaber up and she's thinking about you know murdering Luke there um you know I I felt it was maybe slightly heavy-handed to kind of show her in that position and then show the flashback to Anakin doing the same thing and it's like I would know that she's thinking all those things and I would know that these are the reasons she can't bring that blade down without showing me that stuff Um, and I think there's a few other instances of similar things in earlier episodes where I was kind of like, yeah, I think we could have been a little more subtle or just left it to, you know, trust me to know that that's, Mm -hmm. trust me as an audience member to understand that that's what's going on internally for that character. All that being said in this situation, I loved it. Um, because I felt Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I needed to see that. I I wouldn't have put that together necessarily. You know, it would have been super implied and I think it made sense to hear those voices. And again, with children, it's different. Like when you show the footage of Luke and of Leia, it's a little more moving. Um, well, I say that, but I contradict myself because with Reva at the end, it's children too. But anyway, like it was just different when it's Luke and Leia. And so I felt like it really worked in that situation. Um, and it was necessary and it was, a, it was, a, it was a great choice. For sure. Uh, yeah. Um, other things I noticed about this rematch of the century rematch of is it rematch of the century is that what you called it i think so so we have another yeah. what 78 years for for no more rematches, <laughs> right uh, not, 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 not you might i don't think i do but um so like rematch <laughs> of the century there um and uh i noticed when vader came off of the ship which i just loved seeing like the imperial shuttle i know we've seen it in other places right. besides return of the jedi but um there's something primal about seeing uh, that ship, I think for, for me anyways, I love that. But when he's coming down off of that ramp, um, and Obi-Wan is standing there, it's totally evoking, uh, revenge of the Sith, you know, in my mind, except mm-hmm. for those positions are, are reversed, uh, which yeah. I thought was really interesting and, and really smart sort of blocking or positioning of those characters. Yeah, for sure. I, I love, loved the, the shot with like the jumbo moon and the rocks on the left where you like see Vader walking up. And I'm like this, this feels like it should be framed. It was just the visual component of that did. I did gasp a little bit. Yeah, for sure. There's some crazy, beautiful like cinematography and shots in, in this show. Um, and specifically in this final episode and, and yeah, um, I, I thought the setting and, and some of the framing, I think like one of the last, actually the last shot of, uh, Vader, as he's screaming Obi-Wan's name is like this high aerial shot looking down on him. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, that was another great example of, of framing and, uh, and shot choice on the part of 
Deborah Chow and, and the team there. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, we, we have to talk about Vader's face under the uh-huh. helmet, the, the helmet being slashed, seeing Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader, uh, again there. Um, boy, did that ever work for me? Like exactly how it was meant to. I think it was so, yeah. so good. Um, I have to think of star Wars rebels, of course. Yeah. And, and that, that episode with Ahsoka, but, um, you know, which was also fantastic, but man, to see it this way, to see Hayden, um, it's so good. And the sound work too, with the voice, um, that was amazing. Uh, amazing as well, man. Um, uh, yeah, that, that was one of those, like I'm, I'm rooting, I'm cheering, I'm fist pumping. I'm like freaking out, <laughs> like losing my mind watching the episode this morning. Um, yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and it's one of those things where it could have gone wrong or it could have been silly or corny or whatever. And I think they, they cut away just enough. Um, and, and, uh, you know, his face was visible enough that it, it, it just kind of worked, um, imperfectly. Um, I also think too, like the cross cutting between the two storylines, the cross cutting between Obi-Wan and Vader there and, um, Reva and Luke Skywalker and, and Owen and Brew on, on Tatooine was like really well done. And it gave it this, and I know like, you know, cross cutting between multiple things is something that's common in action movies. And it's not like any, you know, it's not some unique thing, but for me, it feels like star Wars, you know, it feels like the conclusion of a star Wars story. That's what you do, right? You cut between these multiple plots that you have going on. Um, and I'm sure it's was done in Mandalorian and Boba Fett and, and other things too, but it just felt so, exactly how you tell a star Wars story to me that I thought it worked super, super well. For sure. And we just, we just watched Revenge of the Sith while we were making dinner and they do it in Revenge of the Sith, right? It's going between, um, Mustafar and the, the Senate duel, right? Between Yoda and Sidious. And, uh, and it works really well there and it worked really well here. Yeah. Um, okay. A couple more things on that, on that, uh, confrontation between Obi-Wan and and Darth Vader. Uh, I um, loved the fact that, you know, we talked about Obi-Wan pushing the rocks up, but the fact that it was like, Mm -hmm. it was lifting rocks, you know? Yeah. I don't know if Joby Harold, I don't know if Deborah Chow, I don't know if, you know, anybody involved was like lifting rocks, you know? But I was, I was like, it's lifting rocks, you know? (laughs) Um, So I thought that was really, that was a great intentional or unintentional callback or whatever it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, you mentioned this earlier, how an interesting way to, to try to kill someone, if you're really trying to kill someone is to bury them in rocks, especially if that person is a Jedi may have had some training in lifting rocks. It's yeah. kind of like a, like you kind of set yourself up for this. I, I do, sure. you know, me, I, I'm not a big, uh, uh, theory guy or like if something doesn't happen the way that I want it to happen, I'm not gonna be mad. But there was part of me that was like Ray Ray unknown, Ray uh Ray nobody, right? And was like who who is Ray's ancestry? And the answer that I always loved was like Ray Kenobi. I thought that made sense. I thought it was a good enough tie to the original trilogy. He's the first voice that she hears when she touches the saber, you know, blah blah blah. Um and part of me was like, damn, I wish <laughs> I wish you'd been a Ray Kenobi because then it would have been extra cool today to see the the rocks. Uh, but that was just me being like, ah, me in 2017 would have been super amped, right? But uh, it was still very cool to see. 
Yeah. 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 Uh, my friend, my friend, Kevin, uh, who I mentioned earlier, uh, because he sobbed a lot today watching this episode. Uh, <laughs> he was a true believer in the Ray Kenobi theory and, uh, and God, that was, those are such fun times, you know, in between the right. force awakens after the force awakens and even after, uh, the last Jedi a little bit too, but just, you know, wondering who, who, who is she and, and, and mm-hmm. what, what mystery is still there to be, you know, discovered that stuff is so fun. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess I, I have to mention a couple of lines just because I think they're so, so well-written. Um, it, when Darth Vader's helmet is, is cut in half there, uh, one of the things he says to Obi-Wan, Anakin is gone. What uh, I am, what remains? I mean, like that's up there for me <laughs> with any epic line in Star Wars, you know, with any, and, 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 and that's one of the things I really hope for with this rematch of the century, with this lightsaber battle, um, I really hoped it would be in the style of the Luke and Vader fights from the Emperor Empire Strikes Back and from Return of the Jedi, where it's I mean, arguably it's less to do with what they're doing with their lightsabers and more to do with what they're saying to each other. And you put these two characters in a space together with their lightsabers so that they can duel with words as much as, you know, the physical duel. And I felt like this totally lived up to that. Um, and, and because there's so many just fantastic, like, all-time Star Wars lines. I feel like they're going to be all-time Star Wars lines from this episode. So Anakin's gone. I am what remains. Uh, so great. And then, um, you know, he tells him, Anakin, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all of it. Mm, it's so, so good. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, if the line was just, I'm sorry, one time. I mean, essentially, he's saying the same thing, right? But there's something about the repetition. There's something about the phrasing. I'm sorry for all of it. You know, the the almost like, vagueness of a statement like that i'm sorry for all of it it just it's such good writing i think it was just amazing yeah i think the one thing that was missing from the whole fight that we were talking about a little bit was you know you're going into this episode and padme has been kind of danced around the past five episodes right like the name is never really said but she's a constant presence and part of me especially rewatching Rend of the sith and it being her last words right like they're still good in him Oh, well, they're still good in him. He never knows that. As far as I'm aware, he Vader never finds out what Padme thinks, how that happens, anything. And I thought maybe this would have been the time, right? In Obi-Wan's final attempt to bring Anakin back, this might have been the time to bring up Padme or to use that as a Hail Mary. Um, and I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen, especially because she was so prominent in the show otherwise. Um, just by being a presence. Um, but that was kind of the only like question mark I had of why that wasn't done. Yeah. I'm, I'm not one to complain. I'm not one from predictions that I did predict. And I am going to complain about lack of Padme. Uh, I didn't feel like I, I wanted more of her presence in the story. Um, I thought it was really odd at celebration that she just, was totally not discussed during the attack of the clones panel. Um, I, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but she was a, a major part of the draw into the, into the world for me coming, like, you know, becoming aware of star Wars around the time of the prequels. And I, I mean, she was, she was the main character of the prequels to me. Um, and when you look at Anakin's development, I mean, she, she was the driving point. She was, the thing he cared most about that that was used 
to draw him down this path. And it was always supposed to be for her. It's the first thing he asks when he comes up in the, um, you know, in the, in the full suit for the first time. And, you know, going into this episode, I, I figured that we would see Obi-Wan win the battle just because he loses the, the first and third we know. Um, and I, I didn't expect so much physical strength to come out of him. I was anticipating more of like emotional maturity and, and him bringing information to that encounter that, that would offset the, the power that we're seeing from Vader. And so that's what I thought was going to happen and it didn't happen, but the mask and the, the voice switching was really cool and really good. Um, but I, I think that once the, the newness and the coolness of it wears off, that's going to be my biggest challenge with the entire series is just, where's Padme? Is um, she all right? Well, no. <laughs> but just that she was, she was so important to his storyline. And I, I do think it was just the right amount of information from Obi-Wan to Leia about her parents. I thought that was really beautifully done. Instant, instant classic scene right there. Um, but that after Revenge of the Sith, we really never see Anakin slash Darth Vader grapple with Padme at all, which seems out of character based on what you see. Cause his whole first three movies is all hyper-focused on Padme. It's fine. I'll stop talking about Have it. I got some comics for you to read is what <laughs> <I'll say. laughs> um, yeah. to say. No, no. Shouldn't be on live action, but no, I'm totally with you though, because it's like, um, I'm not, Man, I, lo- I love, love, love this confrontation between the two of them. And I think the writing is incredible and I, and I love it. But also it's one of those things where I'm still, and maybe this is a good thing, you know, in time, um, you know, maybe it's, it's good that it's not super obvious to me right away on the first day I've ever seen it, but I'm not totally sure what each of them is trying to accomplish, you know, completely because i'm like does vader want to kill obi-wan i'm not completely sure that he does and then what does obi-wan want to do because i would think you know almost like you're saying i would think obi-wan would come there and think what can i do to get through to him like what information do i have that i could share and padme of course like that would be something that would be really powerful to tell him about to try to reach him through that kind of emotional appeal or whatever right like why doesn't he do that um so i'm right there with you and also like right now 2022 i feel like natalie portman like let's bring her back like why not right i feel like she you know if She's this was 2012 right always use more natalie portman <laughs> right 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 so yeah so i just feel like there is opportunity there and um if, if I'm Obi-Wan, I think maybe I go there, you know, so I'm not, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting thing, thing to think about and definitely a valid critique is why wasn't Padme part of this equation, this, this battle? Um, you know, I guess there's, there's, there's more that could have been said, but, um, I'm trying to think of it, I guess, from the constraints of where we know it's gotta go, which is right. he, he really has to be you know, telling Luke in the original trilogy, you got to kill this guy, man. There's no hope for him. You know, uh, Darth Vader murdered your father. And they did kind of, no. I think, and, and it wasn't he, super heavy handed. Yeah. They, they, they addressed yeah. that. Yeah. They sort of, yeah. yeah. You think that was Love successful, it. Brandon? Oh, successful. And then also him, uh, when he realized that he was lost, calling him Darth. 
as the other little plot hole, everyone always being like, oh, like, why are you calling him Darth? That's his title, not his name, blah, blah, blah. But in this, it's kind of like an insult, right? Or he's just yeah. like, you're a faceless Sith now. You're just, you're just another one of them. You don't, you're not a per, you know, you're not an individual. And it makes that line in episode four kind of retcon to make like a little bit more sense now. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, and, and when he says to him, uh, when Anakin or when Darth, when Darth says to Obi-Wan, like, I'm not your failure, Obi-Wan, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. There's right. this like little upturned smile from Hayden Christensen in that I moment. Like, that. yeah, it's like, he's relishing it. You know, like I did yeah. that. I killed Anakin Skywalker. I'm Darth Vader, you know, like, great. Oh my God. Yeah. Hayden killed it. It was and and the writing was, was fantastic. Um, but then I'm also thinking to myself, like, okay, so like he's establishing I'm Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker is gone, he's dead, and that's great in terms of the original trilogy, and it's great in terms of Obi-Wan telling Luke, like, Darth mm-hmm. Vader betrayed and murdered your father, etc. Like, all that stuff is great. But then, as the scene progresses, and Obi-Wan has clearly just destroyed, beaten Anakin, or Darth Vader, right? <laughs> and knowing he did the same thing on Mustafar. And then he was like, all right, I'm going to leave now. I'll leave you here. I'm going to peace out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He could have just ended it again, right? He could have just been like, we're done. Like, it is an interesting, he, he just walking away, right? He even says earlier in this episode of this television show, as he's talking to the ether, as he's talking to Qui-Gon, he right. even says, I don't know if he's going to die or if I'm going to die, but this ends today. Right. And then he clearly had the opportunity to end it, as did Darth Vader. And he's like, yeah, I'll just, I mean, I guess I'll just take off. I'll leave you here to commit decades of abuse to the galaxy, you know? Um, I wonder wonder if it would have been more successful and it would have made sense if they would have the fight, gets all the way to that point, and then Obi-Wan feels in the force at that moment rather than on the ship that Luke is in danger and then chooses that as the opportunity to go rescue Luke. That would have maybe solved the issues that we're having right now. You know, if, if he had just made that decision to save the son rather than the father in that moment. Mm. That been good. That's a, that's Thank a, you. that's a compelling thought. Yeah. I like that. I like someone that. Call, um, someone call, someone uh, call Deborah Chow. Maybe we can make some tweaks real fast. I can't be that hard to, to change in the, uh, in the edit right now. I'm, well, I, I believe think- that, you know, I just have no, a dumb I, joke, which is that reliable <laughs> Star Wars source, Mike Zero, I believe has already put out a video today saying that they're working on a remaking this episode of uh, oh. of Obi-Wan Kenobi. That'd be great. You know, Disney redoing the episode. Yeah. Yeah. And they've done that in the past, right? So Sure. They do it all the time. Yeah. He's, yeah and, Maggie, and Mike Zero has been right every time. Him and, him and Doomcock, <laughs> always correct. So they've never, they've yeah. never been wrong. No, no. But Maggie, I cut you off. I'm sorry. I know it's good. It's in the in the you know writing what we think happened. I think I'm going to tell myself that while heading into the battle, he was still like off balance with the force, and so he still had some kind of like binary in his mind that it's either him or me. And it's not until he's buried beneath all the rocks that he like finds his balance within the force, good. and then maybe the the need for it to be either him or me is isn't there anymore. Um, and he, cause he's kind of had that moment thinking about the kids and thinking about, you know, the future. And he's had the, having these conversations about like leadership and you won't always be this way. There's this kind of forward thinking conversations that happen in this last episode um, that, you know, maybe in the pit and when he hit rock bottom, as our <laughs> friend Kelly said, was, was a pivot point and 
that's that's why I'm telling myself that it's it's not um it's not a loophole, it's not a plot hole, it's not um there's continuity. He had a change of heart. <laughs> that actually totally works for me. That completely works for me 100%. <laughs> I think that's really good. Um and you know, it's it's one of those things too where it's like, okay, well Riva really honestly like what he should do is kill Riva because she's you know, she's got this information. It's extremely critical information. And I mean, can you necessarily trust her? I don't know. But that's not the story that's being told, right? That's not like what this character is about. That's not what this story is about. Um, and similarly, like thinking back to the flashbacks of Obi-Wan and Anakin um, from uh, chapter five of this series, it's like, you know, um, Anakin tells him, oh, well, you'll never win because of your mercy or it's something along those lines. I don't have the you know, the actual lines there, but it's, it comes down to mercy. Like you're merciful Obi-Wan and that's why you'll never defeat me. Um, and so here he's merciful, but he has defeated him. I mean, granted it's at the expense of like all the other people, Anakin or Darth Vader will go on to murder for decades to come or years to come or whatever. But, (laughs) but, but just thematically and in terms of like what kind of story we're trying to tell here, the idea that Obi-Wan would be like, well, I'm just going to like end his life here. I'm going to take him out. Like that's not really in line with, if we think about like, and, and it depends on, sorry, uh, but it depends on like, you know, if you think about it from a writing perspective, what is the writer trying to accomplish? What message do they want to send? And it's not about like everything else outside of this show. It's about this show specifically. And I think the story that's being told is about mercy. It's not about revenge, right? It's not about being tactical and making sure you, you know, do what's best for the long term. Like, I don't know, whatever. It's about right. who is this person? we're telling the story of this person, Obi-Wan Kenobi and who he is, is, is somebody who shows mercy, right? That's, that's what he does. Right. Okay. Uh, so a few more things here. Um, I, I you know, I don't want to complain too much either, but one thing I will say is like, it, uh, <laughs> he left the moon planet where Darth Vader was and he got into his ship and, uh, and then like the way it was cross cutting back and forth, I just got done saying that was really, really good. And it was, but like he left, he got on his ship. Then Reva's like got her lightsaber in the air, like pretty much ready to kill Luke Skywalker. And then Obi-Wan's like, Ooh, something's wrong. I'll just yoink into hyperspace and then be there 10 minutes later. <laughs> that was like suspiciously, uh, quick, um, <laughs> movement oh, from one. For sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was, those rocks were, were very so far, far away. away. That, so... was, that was what I picked up in my, in my final viewing so far today was like, homegirls walking back, carrying him. I'm like, little, little Lucran so far, those mountains look very in the distance and they, they ran all the way out there and then she dragged him back. So maybe, maybe there was more time. Maybe there was another like 10, 15 minutes that yeah, we're not for her considering. To, like, for her to be injured, carry a limp body, travel maybe like two to three miles. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I'm not <laughs> maybe. necessarily quite as convinced as I was about your last uh, theory. That you, I mean, <laughs> like, it's good. It's good. But the rock thing was fantastic. This one's good. Um, yeah, it could be. It could be. It could be. Um, <laughs> No, it's but again, that's like it's one of those things where it's like a minor quibble, right? Like this show is like so emotional, so powerful, and it 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 does. I think it exceeds expectations in terms of telling the story of these characters. If it doesn't completely make sense that he got from one like solar system to another in seemingly twenty minutes, like I, I can let it go. You know, it's not that big of a deal, right? <laughs> I, I can see um, it was fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, let's talk about the final few moments and then we can, I think we can wrap things up here. Um, once Obi-Wan does get to Tatooine, um, we, we have, uh, the shot of, of Reva, as you said, carrying Luke Skywalker. Um, I felt like it was evocative of Anakin carrying Shmi, um, from Revenge Mm -hmm. of the Sith. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it felt like, I think there are a lot of shots in, in this series that, that do recall moments from other films and even just um, scenarios and things that recall moments from other films. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was intentional. I don't know. But um, uh, regardless, it's a, I don't know, iconic, powerful, you know, kind of way to frame that situation. She's carrying this child, you know, limp uh, back to, um, uh, Owen and Beru. And I feel like her face like tells that story, right? The performance from Moses Ingram tells that story. Like you can see, um, that she's a different person or that I, I feel like you can see the, the regret on her face and in her body language and everything in that moment. So, um, that I felt was, was, was brilliant. Um, some of, uh, my friends that I've been talking to today have been mentioning that they felt like the final 10 or 15 minutes of this, um, episode played out a little too quickly for them and then they wish things Mm. could have like slowed down a little i didn't necessarily feel that myself um and i would say like in this moment where reva lays luke down and uh and and ben and and obi-wan or obi-wan and and beru and uh owen are there i felt like they really like they let that breathe you know in my in my mind um they let her face kind of tell the story everybody kind of like was in a circle sort of saying like, what do we do next? You know, I felt like that was like the, the impression I got there and that, that really worked well for me. Um, so that was fantastic. And then the conversation of course, from there between Obi-Wan and, and Reva, um, just so good. I couldn't do it. I failed them. Have I become him? Um, yeah. and, and Obi-Wan tells her you made a different choice, right? You chose not to. And this comes back to the redemption thing. She's actually able to be redeemed and live as you say. Um, yeah, as you said earlier, Brandon. So I thought all of it was spot on. So, so good. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised, honestly, that that's the way they went with it. It felt like the right thing to do for this story, but I was, I wasn't sure it was going to go that way. So I was really happy. For sure. And then giving the opportunity to breathe with a return to Leia, an, another Obi-Wan Leia moment. I was not expecting to get that. Honestly, I thought, I felt rushed when they were on the ship. I was like, is this really the last time they're going to see each other? Um, And so that was a surprise for me. I really, maybe I was just caught up in everything, but I really was not expecting them to reconnect. And so then it really, those last 15 minutes really took on a life of their own and really kind of achieved uh, a sense of uh, satisfaction or a sense of closure um, that I was not expecting to have. And it made me cry. Um, that last scene <laughs> yeah. with Leia and Obi-Wan made me, made me cry, uh, for sure. Um, and yeah, I love that they took the time to have that moment between Obi-Wan and Leia for many reasons. Um, it, you know, chief among them is the fact that, that Ben does stop and say, look, remember when we were on that transport thing with Zach Braff, like, and you <laughs> asked me about your mom and dad and I like, yeah. I danced around it or whatever, but like, I'm going to take. 30 seconds now to tell you that both of your parents were exceptional people um, and that you are their exceptional daughter. And that was just like, I mean, I already said I cried and everything, but it was, it was so good. I just, I, I really loved it. Um, And I thought it was, 
not enough for Padme, for sure. You know, I would love to have seen something more significant there, but um, I thought I thought that was great. And I, and I love the fact that her adoptive parents were standing there behind her as he had that conversation too. Um, just just because I just felt like it was like, we're all having this conversation, you know, I don't know what they could hear or they couldn't. That's one of my other minor, minor quibbles with the show. I have felt a few times, like, why are you talking about that? Like the Zach Braff scene or the Frick scene, (laughs) like they have that whole conversation. I'm like, he's right there. He's just right over there. And you're sharing this like really dangerous secret information. Um, so it was like a little thing, but, uh, but yeah, it just, it was like, I love that they, that they were standing there as this conversation conversation was happening. Cause it wasn't like a competition between these two sets of parents. It was just like a sort of like, we're all like, I'm your Jedi space uncle, you know, and there are adoptive parents there. And I'm going to tell you about Anakin and Padme, your other parents. And it just felt like this, you know, really complete and really nice kind of moment. For sure. Something else that I love about that scene is kind of the the culmination of Leia's little personal arc from being at the beginning and kind of resenting her role, rebelling against it, playing tricks. Um, and then in the end, we see her getting herself ready. And it's a different, a different look than what she was being dressed in at the beginning, but she was ready to go and she's like, I'm going to do this. Whether it was a combination of seeing other female leaders, having more exposure to the world, um, kind of being inspired about like what, what leadership can be and that she's kind of even at 10 years old was ready to step in and make her mark it. I mean, it falls right in line with what we ultimately see Leia becoming. And it's so cool that we got to see this little glimpse of it. And in this little scene, we kind of begin to see it realized and how this experience has changed her and what we see from her on Alderaan. A hundred percent. And how Leia is it to be like, okay, dad, I will do this, but if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it on my terms, right? Like we're going to need to, we're going to need to change some things if, if you want me to do this. And, and that's, yeah, that's totally the, the, the arc of her character in this show, right? In the beginning, she's having somebody else put on the clothes and she's running away and she doesn't want to do any of this stuff. And by the end, she is, is saying like, okay, yeah, I guess I am going to do this, but if I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm going to do it my way. So. Um, so good. And her and, and her and Obi-Wan's little handhold, you see their little, like they have so many little hand, hand moments throughout the show yes. where it's like she comforts him or like he drags her along. Like their relationship is so shown by like his massive, like weathered hand, her tiny little princess hand. And they just hold hands like a little bit too long as he went to the ship. It was just uh, a little, it was beautiful. Tugs the heartstrings. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, you know, one of the things we always dunk on as far as the original trilogy goes, like Star Wars fans, uh, we always dunk on is the fact that (laughs) her whole planet is destroyed and Luke's like, whatever. And then like one dude that (laughs) Luke knew for a week dies and she is comforting him. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, so to even see her at 10 years old, like she's comforting Obi-Wan. She's sneaking Lola into his robe so that he won't feel alone when he goes to confront Vader. Um yeah, I just I I love the the many little ways you see, you know, who she's going to become and this incredible characterization of her as a young person in the show. And it's one of the it's one of the big surprises uh, of this show, but I think also one of the like the major um successes of the show is is how well uh that character um 
is portrayed and, and written and um, how well Leia works as part of this, the show. For sure. Okay. Um, I think the last thing that I really want to talk about tonight um, before we wrap things up is Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, mm-hmm. He knew, well, we didn't know. I, I felt like I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like the show had telegraphed enough that Qui-Gon yeah. Jinn was going to appear here. Um, so I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Um, and, uh, they did deliver Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, (laughs) how did you all feel about Qui-Gon? Were you, I mean, obviously you were anticipating my, I assume, right? Like, did you, what did you think about Qui-Gon? I was, I was really trying not to get my hopes up. I've loved Qui-Gon Jinn. He was my favorite. He was my favorite lightsaber. Like I really, really, yeah. When I was when I was growing up, because it was I don't know if you remember, but in like Walmart's and Targets with those little plastic ones, they only had a couple different hilts. But there would be like Qui Gon's hilt for every light. It would be like blue and green and red, but Qui Gon's hilt. And I was like, this is it's like it it is a lightsaber to me almost. Like that is what I think of in my mind. Um, And it's just such 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 a powerful performance in the Phantom Menace, right? And it's something that really only happens then. He shows up in. Clone Wars very briefly or whatever, but he's been singular to Phantom Menace. And so this entire time, you know, it's been telegraphed, like you said, that he would connect with Qui-Gon and we know that he's connected with Qui-Gon, right? And we've read the Claudia Gray little short story. Like we know, we know that, that it happens. I was staving myself just to be like, we're going to hear him. He's going to reach out and he's going to hear Qui-Gon. And that's what I was comfortable with and happy with and pumped for. I was like, this is going to be great. So, so when he's walking, you see the little shimmer, right? And you see it's, it's going to be a physical manifestation. I was like, Oh hell yeah. And then you see Liam Neeson and you see a bad wig and a bad beard. And you're like, this is so great. <laughs> and he's so sassy and he's right back to 1999. Right. He's playing this character for the first time in person. Cause I think with clone wars, they literally called him or something. That's how he recorded his lines or something like that. So like, he has not been this character in such a long time. And it was great just to see him like step right back in. And it's again, two characters. I don't know if they were on the same stage together, how it's shot. I feel like they probably just filmed it on a green screen or something like that. But again, it's, it's something that, I mean, Ewan and, and him worked together in what, 1997 to film, right? And here we are in 2022 and Qui-Gon Jinn is back. And it's just a nice, like it, it would have been fine with the hello there. If they had ended right there, it's a director by Deborah Chow. I'm like, that was a great show. What a good time. Mm-hmm. But with mm-hmm. this nice little, like, almost cherry on top to show the culmination of Obi Wan's arc in a very physical way, I think was was very powerful. Absolutely, I'm so glad you said like bad wig and bad beard because um, I, I loved it. And sometimes a bad yeah. wig or a bad beard is like an endearing thing in Star yep. Wars. Like, especially once like the shock of seeing it for the first time wears off, it's like, yeah, you almost like you're glad the wig is bad. You're glad the beard is bad. Yeah. You know, whatever, because it's just like a thing. It becomes a thing. So, um, and, and I almost hesitate to say this because if other people didn't see it, I don't want them to, but I feel like, you know, you see him standing there with his back to the camera, then it cuts to Obi-Wan, then it cuts back to Qui-Gon and the way it's framed, it looks like Qui-Gon's maybe like three feet tall, you know, standing there (laughs) in the desert. And then, uh, so yeah, the whole thing is like a little shaky in terms of like the way it looks and everything, but, um, that's kind of star Wars in some ways. And, um, but, but more importantly, 
it's like, okay, well, this is a thing that's been teased throughout the series. Obi-Wan continues to talk to Qui-Gon. We haven't seen him. They kind of had to deliver on it. Um, but I love that it was short and it was sweet and that the dialogue from Qui-Gon was purposeful. It was, you know, he mm-hmm. basically said, like, I've always been here. You weren't ready. Come on, we've got a ways to go. Like, you've got a journey to go on, a spiritual journey, you know. But also, as Maggie, you've been pointing out, like, you found that balance where now I finally can you know, we can commune, right? I can show you how to do this thing that I'm doing that, you know, retaining my identity and all that stuff or whatever. Um, but it's a, a tangible, um, or I think you said, Brandon, like a physical representation of the fact that Obi-Wan has completed this arc and has, you know, found that balance or that piece. So, um, it's great, you know, beyond the fact that it's like fan service and it's like super yeah. thrilling and fulfilling for us to see it, it also is great in terms of the actual context of the story. So, right, which is when fan service is the best. That's when fan service, and I'm sure you talked about it last week with the flashbacks, right? That's that's when it means something. That's when it's important, and and when it can serve both functions, when it can tap into a little nostalgia, but also further a character's journey or further a character's insight or, or, or their point of view. And that's when it's when it's worth it to bring Liam Neeson back for for 30 seconds in a wig. Yeah, we talked about exactly that. We talked about the fact that, you know, like fan service, we use it with a negative connotation, but it it shouldn't, you know, automatically defer to that. Like, oh, it's a bad thing. Like you can serve fans of something in a way that's logical and, and necessary in a story. And when you do, then it's like it's that moment where you get the goosebumps. It's that moment where you, you know, the hello there moment, right? It was earned. It was, it was, it felt real. It felt like it belonged there. Um, all right. Fantastic. Uh, I guess maybe one more question, um, for both of you in regards to this finale and, and the show and the series. Um, are you, are you expecting, um, and, or are you hoping for another season another series uh, whatever obi-wan here what, 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 how do you how do you feel about that what would you like to see um i i got what i needed out of this show i think that we i think that where at least where we see obi-wan i'm i feel like taking him on a different type of adventure he, he's he's right where we need him to be to to pick up where the the original trilogy starts and i think that adding anything else in there would start to become more of a challenge but i do want to see more from other characters um i have especially this last watch i'm like okay who do we think that we could see in andor later this year um and i would love to see more of reva i would love to see um ice cube son back back in the game i had so much fun with his yes so much fun um and, and kind of seeing other leaders within the movement. Um, I, I think there's no way that Vivian doesn't come back to play Leia in something or other at some point in her existence. And I'm so excited. I feel like it was, you know, when we, when Carrie, we, we didn't have a living actress to play princess Leia and, and now we do again. Um, and I think she's just darling. She did such a wonderful job in this. And so I'm, I'm very hopeful that we get to see more of Leia's, live action story play out um since we have the actresses the actor and then uh potentially more young luke at some point although his story's uh a little more straight shot at this point and that's fine hey i would love to see young luke 
young bigs, young fixer, just running around. That could be great. Just like six episodes at Anchorhead would be, would be great. Um, what I think, and again, before, right before we recorded, Ewan is on record saying like, he would love to come back and do stuff. I'm like, season two is a possibility. Catherine Kennedy has said that, like if the reception's good, blah, blah, blah. I've heard that they reshot the Reba ending in case, leave it a little open-ended. Um, in case there's a season two or in case there's an opportunity for her story to continue in some capacity. Um, what I would love, because as we said, I really feel like the Obi-Wan story is done, right? We know what happens now and then we see him again and we see his sacrifice, right? I think in between now and a new hope, the Obi-Wan doesn't really change, right? His, his story, his struggle, it's not really going to, it's kind of fixed, what I would love is using these characters that are introduced and either insert them into the shows that are upcoming, right? I think Roken and Andor really makes sense. Um, or do a show in this world of Kenobi a year later with the Inquisitors, with Vader, maybe with a Tarkin player, right? Something like that, where you're still using everyone. Reva is there, right? You're still using the world that we've kind of gotten used to over the past six episodes. Um but not necessarily using Kenobi as, as the mechanism. Cause I really feel like this was super earned to get him off Tatooine. Right. That was the big question. When they announced the show, it was like, why is Kenobi off Tatooine? And it was because of Leia. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. No, no questions. So we got it. Um, but now you, I don't, I really cannot think of another card to pull to get him off planet. So unless it's smaller Tatooine based things, which would be fun. I'd love to see that but I'm worried that they might get a little too big for their britches and be like, Oh, he's on Coruscant or he's, you know, doing whatever um, could be a little rocky. So we'll see again. I still watch it. Yeah. We'd still wait yeah, up and watch yeah. it. But I, and yeah. I trust the writers. So if there's a season two, I trust the writers to, to do a story that makes sense. Um, but right now I'm very happy with what we have. Yeah. And honestly, if, if Deborah does it, if, if we don't trust her <laughs> at this point, then, um, uh, you know, if yeah. she if she thinks that she can come up with something that's worth our time, then I have a feeling that she could prove me wrong. I I could not agree more with uh, with all of it. I, I totally agree because I, I feel like they went for the most important Obi-Wan story in this first season, you know? So then if it's like, well, everybody loved it and it was really good, let's follow it up with another season. It's like, well, but you already, the thing that otherwise you would build up to you know, as like the, the conclusion or whatever, you already kind of tackled it, right? You already went for the most important stuff. Um, and I, I feel like they put it all out there. They left it all, you know, on the table. Like they, they didn't, or they didn't leave anything on the table, I guess, in, in terms yeah. of like the most important stuff. So he's where he needs to be, as you guys said. Um, so yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, I've seen actually just talking to some of my friends, you know, in our star Wars group chat, like whatever, you know, kind of thing today, it was like two moments, one moment being the, uh, Reva leaving the lightsaber there. Um, you know, one of my friends pointed out like, well, she didn't bury it. Right. And we've seen other people. We see Ray bury the lightsabers. We see Obi-Wan, you know, unburying the lightsabers. Like, it seems like if you're really done with the lightsaber, you should bury it. Right. So maybe we've got a real show. Tatooine. Tatooine. Yeah, exactly. Tatooine has just got to be filled with yeah. lightsabers <laughs> at this point. Yeah. You know, my feeling on that was like, well, it, we needed both characters there in that moment. And what's she going to do? Like pull out a shovel and bury the lightsaber right there. Like I felt like she's putting the lightsaber down to say, I'm not a threat anymore. I'm not going to use this weapon anymore. Like I'm not like I'm done with who I've been. I'm done with it. And he even says, you get to choose now who you're going to be. Um, I think a Reva show 
or a Reva movie or some, you know, more Reva content, I feel like totally makes sense. Um, not that I need like, not that like the, the story is not complete, but I think there's directions you could go with her. Or maybe there's more you could do um, with Obi-Wan. I feel like I, at this point would save him for cameos or save him for a supporting thing, sort of like Qui-Gon was in the show or like Ahsoka ends up being in, in a lot of shows, right? Like she'll pop up from time to time, but her story is not the story that's being focused on. So I feel like that would be the thing to do. I want more Ewan McGregor. But also, like, I don't know if Ewan McGregor can top Ewan McGregor in this series, in this season. He was so good, um, so good that uh, I'm not sure, you know, yeah, they they, they did everything. They, they, I'm very satisfied. I think one of you said that, right? I'm very satisfied. They, they gave us what we wanted. Um, I think they, they really went for it. And so um, the greedy part of me wants more, but like, (laughs) I feel like we got it. They they actually gave it to us. We got it right. So, um, let's see. Um, okay. Well, I I think I'm ready to wrap it up there. Unless uh, there's any other burning desires from from either of you to uh, discuss like anything from this enough. episode. Do you do you have anything, Maggie? No. Any final thoughts? No, I think, I think we're we good. Got it. We're good. Got it. All right, cool. Well, I uh, so appreciate both of you being willing to come on and uh, and discuss this final episode today i really do feel like today was like a great day for star wars like just like yeah. checking twitter every once in a while just feeling the vibes i feel like everybody was yeah. so happy um the show was so successful and so good so um it was really great to to be able to talk about it tonight with with both of you and so um thank you so much for for coming on yeah. to uh discuss the final chapter here um do you want to share you want to share kind of um you know where we can hear more from from uh from you guys in terms of star Wars or, um, tell us about your podcast, et cetera. For sure. Yeah. You can hear me on, uh, my podcast talking Bay 94, uh, which is everywhere that you listen to podcasts, wherever you listen to this podcast. And then on Twitter, especially it's where I hang out at talking Bay 94. Um, today we just came out with a new episode, um, with Roger Christian who won an Academy award for star Wars, the original star Wars father of the lightsaber, you know, built the millennium Falcon cockpit, like really formative stuff. Uh, and it, he's, he came back. Uh, I've interviewed him before. Um, so he came back, which was really great. And, um, and that was our most recent one. I have a few more coming up. I'm recording a couple tomorrow, a couple next week. Um, so some really cool stuff happening. Um, but yeah, listen to Talking Bay 94. And then Maggie, where can people... <laughs> if you want to hear more from me, uh, too bad I don't have a podcast, but I do have a Twitter. It's Talking Bay 94, but with an E, Bay with an E, B-A-E with the Y um, before anyone so else. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned to see if I ever get over Padme not being in this last episode. Um, the more I marinate on it, we'll see with, whether I get over it or whether I die on this hill. There we go. All, all you need is a name. Once you have a name, then you're, you're good. Like you, it's, that's <laughs> once you get the name, like it's a podcast, like ready to go. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, although we just kind of randomly chose the name for this podcast, which is called blockade runner podcast. And, uh, if you, um, want to follow what we do, we're at blockade runner um, you can reach out to the show blockade runner podcast at gmail.com or follow the show on Twitter at blockade run. Um, we would love to hear from you. So again, uh, Brandon, Maggie, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. We truly appreciate it. Um, and it was, uh, such a fun way to celebrate this incredible final chapter of 
Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, but until next time, thanks very much for listening. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast.